Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. All right, well, good morning, Refuge. We want to welcome everyone that's tuned in this morning, and we're so glad that you could be a part of this service. Uh, I'm excited about this weekend and all that God's doing. This is Memorial Day weekend, and hopefully maybe you're planning something special, maybe not. But Memorial Day is a U.S. federal holiday that's observed the last Monday of the month of May, Um, And it's actually to honor men and women who have died while serving their country in in the military. I believe it's to memorialize the veterans who made the ultimate sacrifice. You know, Jesus made a statement in John 15, 13, that no greater love has man than this, that he should lay down his life for his friends. And so we know giving your life for others is the ultimate sacrifice, just as Jesus himself did. I do have some humor for you this morning before we get into our message. In a moment, I'm going to give you the title of the message. But I have to ask you this question. The question is, what did the bald man say when he received a comb for a present? Well, he said, thanks so much. I'll never part with it. Well, I don't know about you, but have you ever received a gift that really was of no use to you? Well, uh, hopefully not, but anyway. We have another uh, uh, something to share with you along the lines of humor. Um, Someone stole my mood ring recently, and you know what? I really don't know how I feel about it. So, well, yeah, we'll we'll keep moving on. Um, uh, There was a man that called a lumber store, and He was wanting some lumber. And so he asked the clerk on the phone, he said, do you have any four-by-twos? And the clerk responded, said, I think you mean two-by-fours. And the man who called said, well, wait a minute. And there was a silence, and he came back a minute later, and he said, yes, you're right, it's two-by-fours. The clerk then said, how long do you need the two-by-fours? And he said, just give me a moment. And there's a silence. And he comes back a moment later. And he said, you know what? I need them for a very long time because we're building a house. Yeah. You know, sometimes when we communicate, we can actually miscommunicate. And maybe that's one of those situations. Anyway, are you ready for the word? Last Sunday, I shared a message with you entitled, Faith Demic versus fear demic. It's realizing that we need to have a right foundation in our life to overcome our fear. And that message you can see, it's still online, so feel free to check that out if you haven't already. I believe that a foundation in faith is something that needs to be based from God's word. And God, I believe, wants you to overcome your fear. We realize that fear is simply dread of the unknown. It's a negative expectation. But faith is trusting God and his word. For this morning's message, I have a title for you, and you can write this down if you're taking notes. Everyone's a critic. Everyone's a critic. And in a moment, we're going to pray. But you might say, Pastor, 
Everyone's a critic? That's really not fair. You don't really know my heart. Are you judging me? Well, let me just share. We're going to talk about this element of, of criticism that we all contend with. And we're going to share some things in this message that I believe are going to be helpful for you to navigate through criticism that you may be facing or dealing with in your life. But before we do, we want to pray. And I want the Holy Spirit to really minister to you this morning through this message. And as we pray, we want to be mindful of the flooding in Michigan. Uh, Many have lost homes and there's much devastation there in Michigan and other parts of the country that have been affected by recent storms. So let's join our faith together as we pray um, at this time. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for the opportunity to come before you, to share your word with those that would be listening. And Father, we pray that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear, that you give us an understanding heart. Father, help us to receive truth that can be impactful, that can make a difference of change in our lives. And Father, we lift up those in Michigan and other parts of the country that have suffered loss from recent storms, those families that have lost loved ones and those that have lost homes and property. Lord, we pray for your peace. We pray for a relief effort, Father, to help build and restore that which has been devastated. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen. Amen. Well, let me just say that every one of us will criticize and be critical in our lifetime. No one's really exempt from that. And also, everyone will suffer from and be a victim of criticism. And with that premise, we want to begin this message. Criticism, according to Aristotle, is this. Criticism is something we can avoid easily by saying nothing, by doing nothing, and being nothing. I believe that says a lot right there. Now, we understand that there is constructive criticism and there is destructive criticism. Both of them are present in our culture and have been for generations. Now, to criticize really simply means to notice beauties and blemishes or faults in something or someone. Critical is defined as inclined to find fault or to judge with severity. It is also the capability of judging with accuracy. So we do see a positive and negative side of this thing called criticism. Now, with constructive criticism, I want to ask you this question. Do you welcome it or are you open to receive it in your life? I believe you should be. Now, even if it's not offered by a person who has your best interest at heart. Now, for me as a preacher, over the years, I've been criticized. And I, I can think of one criticism is, is, you preach too long. Well, now I can get offended by that because I feel like I have a lot to say and there's value in my time of preparing and sharing the word. But I can take that also as a constructive criticism, realizing hey, I can make my message more impactful by making it more concise and not being too long-winded. So hopefully this morning, I won't be too long-winded for you. Now, so being a critic can be either a positive or a negative thing. 
In fact, there are people that actually make their living from being a critic. There's film critics, there's art critics, there's quality control specialists, there's inspectors. All of those individuals must use a critical eye in what they do for their living. Now, we need critical people in our life, especially when it's constructive. There is a place for constructive criticism, and we can thank God for that. But we must see that our criticism doesn't become destructive. And I want to address the destructive element of criticism in this message. And there is a danger of a critical heart. And I want to turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. And if you have your Bible, turn there with me. Ephesians 6, 12 addresses the spiritual climate of what we engage with here on this planet Earth as we live our lives. In verse 12 of Ephesians 6 reads this way. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. In other words, this is not just dealing with and contending with other people. There are spiritual influences that affect people that we're contending with. There's a devil in his cohorts that are trying to influence human beings to make wrong judgments, to make wrong decisions, and to inflict hardship and havoc on our lives. Now, a critical spirit, I believe, is running rampant in the earth today. And it's sad to see it manifesting in the church. It really is. A critical spirit, I believe, has shipwrecked many believers and dislocated believers within the body of Christ. In fact, some people can't really find their place to serve and function in the body of Christ because criticism has prevented them from coming into a place of service. A critical heart can be detrimental to your walk with God. In fact, it's something that we need to be aware of and even guard against. So there's three questions I'm going to ask you this morning. The first question is, do I have a critical heart? And this is something I want you to examine yourself with and ask yourself this question. Because a critical heart will rob you from a life of fulfillment. If you're driven by a critical uh, attitude and a demeanor and a heart, it, it's going to mess your life up. The second question is, how can I get free from a critical heart? How can I break free from being that critical person and always negative and, and just looking at things from a negative vantage point? And then number three, how should I respond to criticism? And this, I believe, is important too. We need to know how to respond when other people are critical towards us or they're just critical in general. How do we respond to that? Now, there's a number of synonyms for criticize. And I'm going to just read these to you. And this can help identify other aspects of, of how we can define this thing called criticism. Blame, blast, chastise, condemn, bash, knock, rip, roast, slam, trash, come down on, cut down, do a number on, find fault, nag at, nitpick, pick at, take down. All of these describe what it means to criticize someone or something. Now, many may be critical of how things are being handled 
by our leaders right now in the midst of this pandemic. Now it's very common, and sometimes people may feel that they have a right to, at least it seems so, to be critical, but we must be careful. We must be prayerful. Some people are critical of those wearing face masks. You know, we need to be careful about that because everyone is at a different place. And I found myself becoming critical. But right, what right do I have to be critical of others? Because I may be at a different place in my faith walk with God. I need to be sensitive to those around me and honor those around me in the midst of it. And so that's one thing that's important so that we don't become overly critical towards others. It's how we see them and how we love them with the love of God. Now, the first question we're addressing is, do I have a critical heart? See, there's a danger when we pervert the positive qualities of being critical and when we fall prey to a critical spirit and end up with a critical heart. Critical people generally become bitter and are consumed with bitterness. See, Jesus, I believe, wants to set us free from bitterness and a critical heart. Those two often are connected, bitterness and criticism in that critical heart. This message is intended to alert you to the dangers of a critical heart and equip you to defeat it in your life. So are you a critic? Are you critical? Are you cynical? Are you judgmental of others? Now, I'm not talking about being a critical thinker because the roots of healthy criticism lie not in judgment, but in receptivity and response. Are you willing to judge yourself and identify if you're being too critical and if that's an issue for you? 2 Corinthians 3.5 instructs us to examine or judge ourselves. And so we want you to look at yourself. Don't be judging the person next to you. I want you to look at yourself as you answer these questions today. Something to consider that I believe is important is that we can tend to be judgmental, which is part of the human nature, um, unfortunately. Yet we are more inclined to judge others by their actions, but we judge ourselves by our intentions. Now, listen to me on this because I think this is important. I know that I did wrong, but that was not my intention. But yet, I'm not judged by my intentions. I'm judged by my actions. You know, I intended to buy my wife an anniversary gift, but I just ran out of time and I didn't do it. My intention was to do it. Hey, that's not going to score me any points with my wife. Uh, will it? No, it won't. And neither will it for you guys. So we need to be careful that we're not judging people just by their actions without considering their intentions because there is a value with a person's intentions as well. So when we look at the characteristics of a critical heart or spirit, the first and foremost one is pride. A proud heart. Pride is actually self-exaltation. And I believe it's the only sin we often fail to see in our lives. It's the sin that we can overlook because we're blinded to our own pride. But yet others can see pride in us often before we can see it in ourselves. The only cure against pride is to humble ourselves. 
Humility is the cue for pride. Proverbs 11, 2 reads this way in the English Standard Version. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. Now, pride manifests in an unwillingness to give credit to whom credit is due because you think you can do it better than anyone else or better than the person around you. So proper acknowledgement, if you don't properly acknowledge the people in your life that are doing great things for you, that's a sign that you may be subject to a critical heart, to have a critical spirit. Humility is the cure against pride. Failure to humble yourself will allow pride to grow in your heart. Now, whether you humble yourself or allow God to humble you, humility is the cure against pride. First Peter chapter 5, verse 5 says, Likewise, you who are younger, and sometimes those that are younger usually think they know more than the older. You know, young people sometimes think, hey, you know, I know more than you do, but we've been around maybe a few more years. But let's read this again. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. I'll pause there for a moment. Clothes are something that other people see. When you walk into a room, they're going to see you, but they're going to see what you're wearing. And we're to be clothed with humility. In other words, we're to come into a place with humility so that it can be evident by those who see us and come in contact with us. It goes on to say, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I don't want to be in opposition to God, but I want to be in a place where I receive his grace, his enablement, his ability, his favor in my life. And I believe that humility is something that accomplishes that where we can receive God's favor and his enablement in our lives. Now, an inability or failure to recognize the potential in a person, place, or thing is another symptom of a critical heart. See, what potential do you see in the people around you? An old house remodeling project, for example. You can go look at an old house on the street. You can go inside. Everything's run down. And you can look at that and say, this house is a mess. But somebody walking in there who's a renovator can see the potential of what could be done with that house and have a vision to see that house restored. See, I can see an old, rusted, broken-down car, but my brother, who restores cars, can see a restoration project. And so, really realize that we as believers always need to see the potential in the situation, in the circumstance, rather than be critical and judgmental. Now for the second question, how can I get free from a critical heart? One cause of a critical heart is when you have difficulty in forgiving and letting go of the hurts of the past. Unforgiveness unchecked results in bitterness growing in your heart and life, which I believe will taint your life experience. It will ruin your life. Holding a grudge, bitterness, resentment, and revenge are indications of a critical spirit at work in your life. The best choice you can make in life 
is to never stay offended. Refuse to stay offended. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 and 32 is a very powerful scripture that addresses this area. It says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you with all malice. You know, the first thing that people generally do is when they're offended, they think about revenge. What can I do to get even? How can I even the score? How can I get back? How can I make this wrong right? But the scripture says we can't use those elements. It can't be your bitterness. It can't be your wrath. It can't be your anger. It can't be your slander. All of those things will not meet the criteria that God has ordained to deal with the issue. But notice verse 32. It says, and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Now we realize that relationships are destroyed because of bitterness. And we see God's word here gives us a solution and addressing offense in our life. We're to let this bitterness and all this wrath, all this anger be put away from us. And we do that through the act of forgiveness. And what's interesting, it says that we're to forgive just as God forgives. God in Christ has forgiven us. In other words, we're to forgive the way God forgives. And and the reason we can do that is because he's given us his love and the capacity of his love to do that. Because I believe that forgiveness is simply an expression of God's love. Forgiveness is the greatest expression of love. And so when we are filled with the love of God, when we're born of the love of God, that gives us the capacity to forgive regardless of what someone has done to us. Another way that we can overcome or get free from a critical heart is to be thankful. Being thankful will free you from a critical negative mindset. It not only protects you, it will free you. I believe that the inability to give thanks is an indication that your heart may be critical. If you're not a thankful person, you are most likely a critical person. When you are critical and unthankful, you will be a complainer. You'll be complaining all the time. I believe a thankful heart is a cure to a critical heart. First Thessalonians 5.18, I love this passage. It gives us a ready solution. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances. So no matter what the circumstance is, we're to give thanks in that circumstance. It goes on to say, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. See, this is where the will of God begins for your life. If you're seeking his will, if you want to know his will, the will of God starts by being thankful, giving thanks. Because when you begin to give thanks, you begin to see things more from God's perspective. So how not to be critical? Well, refuse to live on the negative side of life. Instead of looking what's wrong and what's going wrong, look at what's going right. If you feel that it's hard to be thankful for you, there's hope for you. And it's realizing that if you're dominated by a critical spirit, you can be free. You don't have to let it dominate your life anymore. Isaiah chapter 29, verse 24 says, And those who err in mind 
will know the truth. In other words, we all make mistakes. And most of those mistakes are in our thinking, in our mind. We're making wrong choices. Verse 24 goes on to say, and those who criticize will accept instruction. And so when we accept the instruction from the word, we can break free. When we begin to be more of a student of the word, we'll begin to overcome criticism in our life and that critical heart. Maybe you've been wounded. A wounded person tends to become critical. My encouragement to you is to extend grace to wounded people, but not to the point of compromising your convictions. With this, we want to bring up the third question. Question number three is, how should I respond to criticism? Now, it's quite obvious that those who attain or accomplish something significant in life become targets of criticism. People who do not know how to deal with criticism usually end up becoming critical themselves, however. Turning negative comments into a constructive experience is something that we need to aim at. I think of a man that has gone home to be with the Lord. His name is Oral Roberts. I have great respect for him. He's the founder of Oral Roberts University. I saw him a number of years ago in an interview with Larry King. And Larry King began a discourse talking about what Oral Roberts had dealt with in the world because of all the criticism he'd received. And he asked Oral Roberts, what would you say if you could speak to all of your critics right now? What would you say about them? And Oral Roberts, I can remember that interview, put his head down. And he told them this, I thank God for the criticism and I thank God for my critics because it's helped make me the man of God that I am today. Because with every critical statement that has been spoken about me, I've asked God, is there any truth to this? Is there anything I need to do to change? And I really thought that was amazing uh, in that interview. We realized that we need to minister to our critics and use the criticism to our advantage because there's something that can be gained even, even though we may feel it's false, it's wrong or unjustified. To effectively deal with criticism, we need to first of all know who we are in Christ. We need to solve the identity crisis. We need to identify ourselves as a new creation in Christ according to 2 Corinthians 5.17 which says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Dale Carnegie made a statement one time and I quote, any fool can criticize, condemn, and complain, but it takes character and self-control to be understanding and forgiving. I think that we can, really can help us relate to uh, how we respond to criticism. And when we know we are in Christ and who we are, our identity is in Him, that can help us to be able to handle it when it comes. Now, another thing in responding to criticism to effectively deal with it is to know your purpose. A young man or woman with purpose can withstand 
criticism and opposition. When you understand your purpose, you can generally handle the criticism. Romans 8.28 tells us, and we know for those that love God, all things work together for good and for those who are called according to his purpose. We realize that what the enemy intends for evil, God will work for our good. Now, some of you may have been deeply hurt by criticism of others, but I believe it's really time to deal with it. Maybe you're doing fine and you don't have a problem with criticism at all. But realize, the more you press into God for God's highest and best, you're going to face greater criticism, but also you're going to have what it takes to overcome it. Another way we need to deal with criticism is to pray for your critics. Matthew 5, says, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. We realize that criticism is a form of persecution and can be. Make sure when persecuted, however, that you're persecuted for a good cause and not for stupidity. And then you need to ask yourself, does this criticism have any merit? Because not all criticism is bad. I believe it's good for soul searching. And I love what Psalms 139 verses 23 and 24 state. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. And finally, in dealing with criticism, we need to get God's perspective on it. 1 Corinthians 2.16 tells us that we have the mind of Christ. We can begin to look to the word and get God's perspective on what we're dealing with. We realize that the person who has God's perspective has a great advantage in life. The depth of your spiritual perception, I believe, is directly related to the condition of your heart. What's in your heart? Is bitterness there? Is resentment there? Or have you allowed the love of God to be shed about in your heart as Romans 5.5 instructs us? John Wooden made this statement, and I quote, You can't let praise or criticism get to you. It's a weakness to get caught up in either one. And I believe that's so true. Now, as I bring this message to a close, I want to extend an invitation. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to extend an invitation to you. And I also want to pray for those of you that are struggling with this thing called criticism. And I want to share this dream in in, in light of this as I bring this to a close. On February 28th of this year, I had a dream. And in this dream, I was driving with a destination in mind when I found myself in a different place. And actually, in the dream, I was driving through my hometown where I grew up, Junction City. And suddenly, I was in another place. In the dream, I showed up in Stanley, Ohio, which I had never been there, at least as far as I know. And in the dream, I was wondering, how did I show up here? Because I asked somebody, where are we? And and he said, you're in Stanley, Ohio. How did I show up here? And I asked the question, why am I here? I need to get home. The question that I should have asked is, What is my mission? Sometimes we may end up in a place where we don't want to be, but we need to ask ourselves, what is our mission? And that may be where you're at right now. 
You may not want to be in the place you're at right now, but what is your mission? What is it that God wants to do in your life? I believe he wants to do good things in your life if you give him access, if you give him opportunity. So this morning, I want to extend an invitation for those of you that may have never given your heart to Jesus. I want to lead you in a prayer that I call a believer's prayer. If you had a place where you're ready to surrender your life to Jesus and invite him into your life to be the Lord of your life, to turn from your sins, to repent from wrongdoing, then God has something so amazing and beautiful that he wants to do for you. He wants not only to forgive you of your sins, but he wants to give you the gift of eternal life and bring you into a meaningful relationship with him. And so we're going to lead you in a prayer at this time, and then we're going to pray for those that are dealing with criticism and its effect in their life so that we can overcome it. So repeat this prayer after me. And this I call the believer's prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you and I acknowledge that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Lord Jesus, I believe you were sent by God to die on the cross for me and that you were raised from the dead to give me new life. Lord Jesus, today I put my trust in you. Today I turn from my sin. And I ask you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. Jesus, forgive me of my sins and make my life what you want it to be. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer sincerely, I believe that in this very moment, God is doing something significant in your life because so much is simply opening up your heart to him and inviting him into your life and giving your heart and life to him. It's a mutual exchange, but it's so amazing what God can do when we allow him to have access in our heart because he'll change your life and he'll do something significant in you and through you that you can't even imagine. Now, today you may be thinking, I have some criticism in my life that I need to deal with. Maybe you've been critical. Maybe you've been victimized by someone that has been critical towards you. Regardless the case, God wants you to overcome it. So I'm going to pray for you in this moment. Heavenly Father, we just take a moment and we pray for those that have listened to this message and maybe have identified areas in their life where they've been critical. Father, I pray that you will help them break free from a critical heart so that they can live, Father, the way you want them to live in freedom. In Jesus' name, Right now, Father, right now we pray against a critical spirit. Deliver us and set us free. We pray by the authority of Jesus' name that we'll not be ruled by criticism. We'll not allow it to destroy our lives, but we'll rise up. Father, we'll receive what we need to receive to be corrected, to be admonished, to be built up so that we can be a better follower of you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Thank you, Father. Father, I also pray for our leaders and for those that we may have been critical towards. Forgive us. Let us not participate in speaking negatively or down upon others, but let our words minister life. 
Help us not to say anything that you wouldn't want us to say about ourselves or about others. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. Amen. You know, uh, some time ago, the Lord spoke to me, and he said, don't ever say anything about others that I wouldn't say about them. He also spoke to me and said, don't say anything about yourself that I wouldn't say about you. And I think if we live by that principle, uh, we're not going to be speaking critical and negative things. So again, thank you so much for tuning in. God bless you. We are here for you. And we look forward to gathering together again as a church family. God bless you. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.net.